if you're naturally inquisitive, if you're naturally curious, how that's received by the other person is typically that you care, right? You're interested, you know, if, if you're talking to the person or whatever it might be, right? But have a natural curiosity to learn. If you learn something new every day or you have a mindset where you're taking the good out of a circumstance, because there's a lot, we've all had bad days, but there's always a learning moment in that moment. Boy, this could have been done differently, or if this happened, then maybe this would have been avoided. You know, so to be able to reflect on those things, it's hard to do in the moment, but I just think that that's crucially important. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is the global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy oil and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities both upstream and downstream without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risks. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. You can learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. Before I introduce this week's guest, I want to please ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review in iTunes. I have not gotten any reviews lately, guys. I would like to read whatever you have to say about the podcast. I need some feedback. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some OGGN laptop hard hat stickers, check out the show notes for a 10-second survey, and we'll get those shipped out to you. Okay, let's get to the guest. I'm sitting here today with John Borden, Sector President of Energy, Oil, and Gas at CB. R-E. I got it. <laughs> I finally got it. John. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm so glad to have you on. It gets a little nerve wracking when your sponsor's on your show. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan as, as I think you and Mark know. It's great to be part of the OGGN family. Long time listener, first time caller, as they say. <laughs> first time caller. I love that. So, John, let's talk about how you got started in the industry. You know, it's a long and circuitous path, I would say. I'm an engineer by background, mechanical engineer. And when I first started, I thought I was going to be an astronaut, believe it or not. Really? Yes, yes. So maybe that's for another day, but certainly something I had an aspiration for as a young kid growing up in the days of the first Top Gun movie that came out. (laughs) Showing your age. Yes, I am. I am a bit. But yeah, I wanted to fly jets, go into the, you know, go into space, be an astronaut. And, you know, as luck would have it, many of our plans change over time as we grow and mature and face life challenges. And so I graduated in the mid 90s with an engineering degree and got my teeth cut in the tire rubber business. I was a reliability engineer. Yep. I was a reliability engineer getting started in the industry. Just a great experience, quite frankly you know, learning about a sense of urgency, you know, the criticality of safety. I wouldn't say that safety was a paramount factor back in the early 90s, certainly not the company I worked for, but it certainly lent itself firsthand to the importance of going home the way you come to work every day. And that's a paramount focus on safety. But after 18 months of just going through 
a cycle of planning for shutdowns and then spending, you know, hours and hours during holiday shutdown periods, I realized there was probably a bigger world out there that I might want to entertain. I bumped into an old boss of mine. And I will say this, that every job I've gotten in my career has been through a connection or a network that I built through my career. So this is that I suppose that's a common thread among our conversation here today. But the plant engineer that had left the company, I bumped into him and said, look, I'm looking. I'm interested in something new. And he was working for an outsourced real estate provider firm based in Chicago at the time that is actually part of the Siemens building technologies, which they divested from a few years later. But that's where I cut my teeth on on really the industry, right? The outsourced real estate industry. And at the time, it was primarily corporate real estate. And so started doing transitions and startups and a lot of different type of activities around the built environment. Started up a wind tunnel facility up in Dearborn, Michigan as an owner agent. So some really interesting, neat stuff along the way. But as I've grown, I took on various roles in increasing responsibility until ultimately I started with my current company back in 2008, CBRE. And so I've been here for 15 years. And just about yeah, all on the way, I'd say I've worked with and around oil and gas companies. Amico Research Facility up in Naperville, Illinois was an account that I got involved in years ago, but always on the periphery, never focused on exclusively oil and gas until two years ago when our CEO reorganized our business into eight sectors. We were organized geographically up until that point. And in January of last year, we reorganized into sectors. And I had the good fortune of being tapped to lead our oil and gas business or energy oil and gas business, I should say. And so it's been a thrilling ride. One of the first things I did was search for podcasts. And I would <laughs> say that my early days in you know pouring into pouring my energy in, into the sector was listening to you and Mark on the Oil and Gas This Week podcast. And so two years in or about now a year and a half Now you're in, making me blush. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like we've known each other for a long time. I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way as listeners, right? But it really was, for me, a great foundational grounding in all aspects of the oil and gas value chain. Most of our business right now is retail, or I should say in downstream in particular, but we're very interested in moving more and more to frontier markets, moving into upstream support in everything that we do for our clients. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So now that we've kind of talked about your background and all that stuff, let's get into leadership. So John, what is leadership to you? You know, that's a good question. I really think it's about rallying people around a mission, you know, with a common purpose, even a higher calling, right? I think it's incumbent upon leaders to explain why something is important, you know, why it's relevant to them, putting it in terms of a perspective that they can understand what their individual contributions are and how they're important to the overall mission. And I think it's really about driving people to be motivated independently because they understand why, because they understand they have a sense of purpose on why we can or can't do something. And so I just think if you provide a framework of that or for that, it really can drive a team to reach just, you know, tremendous outcomes that you may not have achieved otherwise. Yeah, that's fair. How do you figure out what that motivation is, though? 
You know, I think that's a good question. I think that there's obviously you come from a position of what you need from others, right? But I do think it's grounded in always trying to understand the other person's perspective. And if you can understand where they're coming from, whether that's, you know, where they are in their career, where they are as a motivation, or what are their motivations, I should say, if you can do that and you make an authentic, earnest attempt at understanding and meet them where they are, I think that's really what creates credibility for you as an individual and as a leader, and it forms a foundation of understanding that you can build from. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had as a leader? I mean, I know all leaders have that, but anything stand yeah, out? Yeah, there is one example that comes to mind. I would say, and this is outside of any specific oil and gas focus, but going back to that example, or that reference I made to when I got started in the tire and rubber industry, there were three factions of employees in that in our plant that we supported. We had people that, individuals that were recently hired, many of whom were out of the military. We had folks that were long-standing union employees. And at the time, I, gotta, I should have framed this better, there was a strike before I had ever even got involved in this with this company. And in the course of that, there were really three factions of workers in, you know, in the plant. The first was that group that you know, the company went out brought in that was largely ex-military coming off of Navy ships and things like that. The second that were largely unionized workforce that had resisted the company's attempts at making some changes. And then there was another group of individuals that had crossed the picket line because they probably had no other recourse to do so. And so there were really three factions of people or groups of people in the plant that really didn't get along. And I will say this, that from a leadership standpoint, one of the things I learned from that experience was, you know, leadership doesn't have a rank, right? There's no title to leadership. Right. And I had to work with all three groups. I was a reliability engineer responsible for a quarter of the equipment in the plant. And I had to work with three groups that were all important constituents and people that were responsible for delivering the maintenance and repair of the equipment that I was served to maintain. And I had to get along with all of them and I had to motivate all of them towards a common goal. And so that was a particularly challenging environment. But I like to think that I employed those things I talked about earlier about leadership at a time when I didn't really understand it fully, right? I just, I kind of approached it with the best way I knew how, which was, you know, explaining the challenge that I was in, reflecting on the challenges that they were in and with a sense of understanding. There were a couple of inflection points along the way that I think where I built some credibility and trust. I will say this, the group that I was responsible for at the end of my tenure at that particular company, I'm proud to say that we all got along. And it was a very toxic environment to start with. I, I'm not laying credit to the change in the dynamic, the group dynamic, but I certainly think that my approach helped enable you know, some of those relationships that were broken or never built. I think through my approach to that situation, I think it certainly enabled folks to find common ground. It certainly was a proud moment of mine you know, upon reflection. Yeah, yeah. I've been in toxic companies before, totally understand. So that's quite the feat. That's quite the feat. So let's go the ladder. And what's the most rewarding thing about leadership, John? Well, it's all about the people. I'd say to see somebody that you have built a relationship with and you've gotten close to, or even folks in my role now, there's many levels of management, you know, in some cases, and I don't have a direct relationship with everybody on the team. But 
to see people grow, to see people thrive, and it's tremendously rewarding. And so when you have a small part of somebody's success, I will say this, there is nobody, you know, that's successful that wasn't helped along the way by a parent, by a friend, by a family member, by a coworker, by a boss, a mentor. And so to be part of somebody's journey, life's journey to success is a special thing. And when you're, I'm always surprised when somebody says, you know, thank you, right, for something I may have said or done. And in the moment, I probably didn't even think about that I was in a coaching moment or mentoring kind of capacity. But when people reflect back on that, or when they reflect that back to you, and it brings you back into that moment, it's a pretty special feeling when you know that you made a positive impact on somebody's life and helped them in some small way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I've got to watch all my little podcasters become really good at podcasting. So I definitely understand what you mean by that. So throughout your leadership years and all that, if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? You know, I would say don't take anything for granted. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Be curious, right? Ask why. If you're naturally inquisitive, if you're naturally curious, how that's received by the other person is typically that you care, right? You're interested, you know, whether if, if you're talking to the person or whatever it might be, right? But have a natural curiosity to learn. If you learn something new every day or you have a mindset where you're taking the good out of a circumstance, because there's a lot, we've all had bad days, but there's always a learning moment in that moment. Boy, this could have been done differently, or if this happened, then maybe this would have been avoided. You know, so to be able to reflect on those things, it's hard to do in the moment, but I just think that that's crucially important. And the other thing I would say is being a nice person that's helpful and competent is if you're aspiring to move up, you know, the corporate ladder, right? And I actually don't use a ladder. I kind of look at it more of a kind of a rope ladder, right? Where you sometimes you're going up, sometimes you're going sideways, sometimes you're going, you know, any different direction, right? But if you're widening or deepening your resume, those are both good things, right? Because, you know, you never know if you're so narrow in what you do, then it's difficult to pivot, you know, when something, you know, goes awry. And if you're willing to be helpful, what you're doing is you're creating opportunities for you to widen your resume, gain new experiences, just become a more, you become a better, well-rounded person that has more arrows in your quiver, if you will. And by doing that, and by being a nice, helpful person, you're growing your competency and you're able to pivot, you know, left or right or whatever direction that might look like if circumstances change. So if you do those things, I like to think that you have a better opportunity to create luck for yourself. You know, I kind of look at luck as being the intersection of preparedness and opportunity, you know, and so I think that if you do all those things, then good things will happen in the long run. Especially when it comes to kindness. Like, I don't think there's enough of that in the world. I couldn't agree more. Right. And I mean, most of us, <laughs> you know, politics aside, right? I mean, if you, if you just, if you didn't talk politics and you just met somebody in the street, I just came back from a trip in Southeast Asia and it was great to not get into political conversations. Although like it cropped up to a degree, but to meet somebody in their, you know, learn about their culture and learn about them as individuals and not get clouded by some of the other things, I would venture to say, you know, 49 out of 50 people that you meet are good people. Hopefully the number is even bigger than that, but Point is, is that when you, you know, the vast majority of people are good people 
and they want to work with other people that are good people as well, right? And so I think if you're just grounded in that simple premise, then you're off to the right start. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So what book influenced you the most, John? I'd say there's two books. I mean, there's a lot, right? And (laughs) there's a lot out there. So there are a few that keep coming up that I've heard others mention, but there are two books that come to mind in particular. The first one, and this takes me back probably, it's been at least 10 years since I read this book, but it's a book called True North. And it's all about knowing your authentic self kind of reflecting on who you are as a person. Like self-awareness or just... Yeah. And mind you, I didn't reread the book for our conversation, so it goes back (laughs) a ways. But it was really about being authentic, right? And just knowing what's your moral compass and defining your own values and leadership principles, understanding your own motivations. Because I think so many of us look at the world through a lens of what somebody else expects of us. It kind of gave me agency to look at you know, look through a prism of right and wrong through my own personal lens. And I think that that, it really helped ground me with some of those more instinctive things I was doing, right? With something that was much more, you know, I guess academic, right? Kind of helped me reconcile, you know, the instinctive from how that actually, you know, manifests itself in in outcomes, right? So that was the first one. And it came at a time in my career where I think that was particularly important. And then the second one, I would say, is strengths-based leadership. And strengths-based leadership is really all about you know, understanding your strengths and your weaknesses by, you know, by converse. And you know, teams, no one individual, right, can have, can check all the boxes, right? And so understanding where you are in the spectrum of things, right? Whether that's are you particularly influential as an individual, are you partic- are you more focused on strategy? There's different aspects of all of our DNA that drive us to behave a certain way and have certain skill sets. And it's okay. It's okay that we always focus on our weaknesses, right? Not We don't focus on our strengths. So that's another book that, that sort of gave me, yeah, it gave me confidence to lean on my strengths and not dwell on my weaknesses. So why do you think that we automatically focus on our weaknesses? Yeah, I think it's just inherent to how we, you know, it probably starts in grade school, right? You know, what question did you get wrong, right? And so I think it's just, it's kind of ingrained in how we are upbringing, how we grow as individuals. But the book itself talks about four different leaders Uh and how they, each one of them had very distinct and unique styles of leadership, but they were all independently successful. But the common thread around that was, you know, bringing people in around you. To the extent that you have the ability to, you know, hire a team or you know bring in others around you, but to bring in others around you or leverage people that have strengths that are not your own brings a you know diversity of a different kind into that team dynamic. You can really amplify and accomplish some special things. Being very introspective about what your strengths are, maybe where you're not so strong but that person is great at this. So let me bring them into the fold. And that person's great at that. Let me bring them into the fold. And before you know it, you have a team that's much more cohesive because you have folks with a, they understand their contribution to the project or the outcome. And it's purposeful, right? You brought them in because I think you're really good at this. And so it gives that, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It gives them a sense of purpose and why I'm part of this team and why my contribution is important. And I guess those are the two books that I would say were 
particularly that come to mind, particularly around leadership. Very good. Very good. Okay. So I'm excited to ask this question. Who's your most respected competitor? That's a really good question. I'm going to say our clients. Ooh. Yes. Our clients are very sophisticated. You know, we have to differentiate ourselves every single day. We have to be excellent at what we do. And, you know, we're an outsourced service provider and we provide a litany of services to our customers. It's grounded in what I would say site selection, right, of real estate, facilities management, managing of, of real estate and assets, right? And it's not just your traditional office space, but it's much more than that. And projects, right? We do, we're the world's largest project management business. And so, but with that comes a very high expectations and our clients are incredibly good at what they do. And so we have to make the case, why should we hire CBRE instead of doing it ourselves? And so the vast majority of our business is not outsourced. The vast majority of the marketplace is what I would call insourced. So I would say that our clients are by far most respected competitor in the industry. What a great answer. Well, That's one you. I haven't heard yet. That's fantastic. What's your most important lesson learned? I think it's honesty, being authentic. It's okay to say, I don't know. That's one of the things that when I ascended into this role or even other leadership roles I've had where you almost feel compelled, like I have to have all the answers. But it, I think it's, you know, one of my proudest moments in this current role was, yeah, I was, we were doing a town hall and we had, you know, it was about a thousand people on the call. We got through the hour. And at the end of the call, I hung up and I called somebody that I trust. And I said, what do you think? Was it a train wreck? And she <laughs> said, <laughs> she said, no, it wasn't a train wreck at all. I thought it was really good. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure it was good? And she said, well, let me just, she said, there was somebody that wrote in the chat. It's nice to know that you're a real person, just like the rest of us. <laughs> and I thought that was, to me, that was the best feedback I could have gotten, right? Because I don't want to be removed, right, from the day-to-day. -day. I don't want to be viewed in a way that is something that I'm unapproachable or that for whatever reason, I'm disconnected from what we do on a daily basis. Try not to take myself too seriously, right? We're, we're all important. We all have a role to play. Right. And so I think that that was validation, I guess, right? And so maybe not a lesson learned per se, but it was certainly validation to be honest and authentic. And it's okay not to have all the answers. Yeah, I like that. And it's, you know, I truly, like whenever I first met you guys on a call, you're like, oh, two celebrities in one week. And I'm like, no, I'm, <laughs> That's just, right. normal. I'm just a normal person. I, yep. This is who I am. Like, you know, this is it. So when you meet yep. me in person, this is exactly who you hear on the podcast. So, yeah, being authentic is very and genuine. I remember saying that. I do remember saying that. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So why is your role important to the future of the industry? Oh, I just think, you know, we have an opportunity to do something very special. Our biggest clients, right, and, you know, energy companies, we have four segments that we serve. We serve the mining sector, petrochemicals, renewables, and traditional oil and gas, right, which includes oil field service providers. And so we're going through an energy transformation. There's no other way to, to look at it, right? And all of our clients are reinventing themselves in some way largely centered around ESG. And who better to partner with than the companies that are at the forefront of producing energy? You know, no matter, you know, it is something that we have an opportunity to do something special, whether you're particularly socially conscious or just want to do something 
that's new and different. Our industry is undergoing a transformation that is, you know, generational, right? I mean, it's even further than that. You know, electric vehicle charging, there's just so many things that are around, you know, migration to a lower carbon footprint, right? For our customers and our customers, right? Within the customers that we serve as CBRE within our sector, we have an opportunity to help our other sectors, clients in other sectors decarbonize, decarbonizing their fleet, decarbonizing their footprint. So one of my core responsibilities is to help connect the dots, right? Between our customers within our sectors that have the capacity and capability to do that, to drive change. But so many CSOs out there, if you will, right? Chief sustainability officers or others in the C-suite are saying, we need to decarbonize. And they're asking their teams to go figure it out. And these are not easy answers. And so to be able to be at the forefront of helping solution those things and to be able to bring large you know, partnerships that we have in the industry to bear, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We're doing something special and we're going to be a much different world 30 years from now than we are today. You know, just about everybody has you know, net zero goals that, you know, from 2030, 2040 to 2050 around decarbonization, you know, that's just one of the items. It's at the top of the list, but it's just one of the items that makes this sector so special. But fortunately, oil and gas isn't going anywhere. We're just, oh, exactly. you know, so you get to keep clients and then also get new ones, right? (laughs) And that's precisely my point, right? Who better to partner with? There isn't enough energy to go around in the world, right? We have, so traditional fuels from my perspective is expanding. At the same time, you know, companies are trying to decarbonize or put carbon back into the ground. You know, LNG, CNG, you know, hydrogen, these are all nascent industries or within the broader industry. And it's just, it's really interesting to see something at the, really the early phases, right? Yeah, it really is. Even though it's a mature, you know, industry, right? It's, there's so many things that are, being innovated out of our sector that you can latch onto and be a part of something special. So, so no, it's a fun time to be in the industry, notwithstanding all the challenges that there are out there, you know, whether that's political or otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So no bias here. <laughs> what is your favorite podcast? <laughs> well, I think I gave it away earlier in our chat, right? <laughs> I have to say it's absolutely the Oil and Gas This Week podcast, and that's not just because I'm a sponsor of this one and part of the OGGN family. It really is. I learn something new every week. What's particularly nice about it is, you know, you and Mark reflecting on, you know, current events and the implications of those current events and drawing that tether between if this, then that, and this could happen, but that might happen. And it's, you know, so I think definitely that's been my favorite podcast, certainly in the last year and a half. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's really hard for me not to get political in there because we have to cover so much news and a lot of it's Mm -hmm. political. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. It used to be my favorite, too, (laughs) when I wasn't on it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, well, thank you again for joining me. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about CBRE, how can they go about doing so? Well, I think the link is in the podcast, right? So uh, check out CPRE. And yeah, it's a great place to work. I will plug our company. Uh, there's two reasons why I stayed with CBRE as long as I have. I've been with the company for 15 years. And that's just a strong culture. You know, I hear Mark talking about never lie, cheat, or steal, right? I think he says that just a lot. And our company's grounded 
in our rise values of respect, integrity, service, and excellence. I started in a much different role. I've had six different positions in the last 15 years. I've, oh, wow. I've slowly grown with the company. We continue to grow as an organization. We're the largest real estate firm in the world by far, by any measure. But we still have this entrepreneurial spirit and tremendous opportunities for people who share a similar value or value system and want to grow. You know, one of the things that Mark said when we first introduced ourselves, you know, was, you know, you don't have a size problem. You have a problem with people understanding your business and knowing what you can do for them. And so this is just one way that we're trying to get the word out. Of course, we're looking for new customers, new clients, but most importantly, it starts with the people. And so this is a great place to be. The opportunities that have been availed to me and the culture that we operate in, it's just a great company to work with. And yeah, I just, I guess I would leave it with that. That's fantastic. And I've had a great time getting to know you guys and hopefully we'll get to meet up soon. Uh, I'm looking forward An to an actual page. person. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I'll see Mark tomorrow, actually, but we have a Energy Oil and Gas Roundtable for some select clients, and we're looking to do more and more of that. But yeah, I'll be meeting Mark for the first time and hopefully meet you shortly thereafter. But awesome. it's been a fun ride so far. It's I know we're new in our relationship, but excited to to be looking back on this many years from now and talking about how great of a ride it's been. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to listen to it either, are you? <laughs> 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 it's fine. I don't listen either. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. Oil & Gas Industry Leaders.